What the hell is the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, crown number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day DFW's podcast. This is, I don't know if we're calling this our college edition, our Cowboys Cowboys edition, or our Cleveland Browns edition. How yeah. about Heropolis edition? Wow, oh. Kate. Kate, just jumping in there. Kate <laughs> Heropolis, our special guest, the reporter of the hour after scoring an exclusive with Johnny Menzel's father, Paul. Last week, in which he told you what, Kate? Well, Paul told me in, in very frank, in a very frank way, that he's scared for his son Johnny Manziel's life, and uh, if he doesn't get help, he doesn't think he'll live to see his twenty fourth birthday, which is in December. Uh, it's it's a very scary situation, and he he wouldn't have spoken out if unless he w- had grave concerns about what, what his son's doing. When he said that, did you ask him to repeat himself? Because that, that's that's almost a shocking statement. Did, Not almost a shocking. It is a shocking did, statement. Did, did you say excuse me? Well, we had been having some longer conversations, um, so I wasn't, but yeah, I mean, I took a step back and I just, you know, yes, you do say well, um, and you know, he knew that I was going to use that and we knew that that was going to get the point across. That was his whole point of saying that, right? I, I think he's dropped these hints before. We go back to yeah. the uh, the ESPN story that um, uh, Wright uh, Thompson. Thompson did, uh, where he followed him around with the family, and which was a very revealing story. Mm-hmm. Spent some time with them. We, you saw uh, Johnny's uh, interpersonal dynamics with the rest of his family. And, and in that story, the father said, you know... Uh, he said that if, if things could come unraveled, and if they did, it was going to be bad, real bad. And that was August 2013. And it was going to happen quickly, too, didn't he? He said that if it, ha- if it unraveled, it would unravel ba- quickly. Yes. What is their relationship, father and son? Um, you know, they're close. They're, they're a lot like each other, which can be hard maybe sometimes in the day-to-day because Paul has always wanted, um, kind of been waiting and trying to help Johnny get to the point where he wants to grow up and he wants to move on to the next phase of his life and kind of be the man. And Paul went through something like that for himself. Um, but they're close. I mean, and they still talk. Uh, even when Paul is coming out and making statements like this, you know, he, Johnny knows that his dad is just trying to, to get him help. So, so we also heard, uh, on the flip side of that, there was something added to your story for the, our digital side, uh, from a, from a, a friend, mm-hmm. and that's, that's all you can tell us, is right. that it was a friend, right. who said, hey, it's not all that bad, you know, he's just a normal guy who's made some questionable decisions. Right. Is, that, is that fair to characterize it that yes. way? Yes. That's the gist of what he said, and, you know, Everyone's welcome to their own opinion, but from what Paul has seen and the depths of his worry and everything that he knows, he's not being overly dramatic, in my opinion. Can can you paraphrase the quote, or, or can you give us the verbatim quote that Paul said about Johnny? I've got it right here. Okay, Evan. I truly believe if they can't get him help, he won't live to see his 24th birthday. Oh, okay, there's been a- I want to get into this with you for one second, right. because on social media, a he's lot of people- killed had some pushback about the they in there. And that was part of the poll quote. I mean, in the story, that was referencing the rehab centers that Johnny was not enrolled in. And exactly. Admitted to. And give us some background. I, f- I felt bad that that's how that played out because Paul, if you read the story, Paul is clearly trying to get his son help. He's not leaving it up to they. Correct. He's doing, he doesn't, he's doing everything he can. He doesn't, 
he's reaching out for people to help figure out how to help him help his son. At least two different rehab facilities he tried to get him into yes. in the last week. Right. And that's that's the day that we're referring to is that yes. he yes. tried two different rehab yes. uh, facilities. Did, did Johnny enroll in one and then walk out? The details get a little complicated just because of how you can hold people in different facilities if they're not willing to. So they, he was at the Van Alstine one, um, but they were not going to be able to keep him much longer. And that's when they tried to have him willingly go to the Carrollton Springs treatment facility. And that's where, uh, according to Paul Manzel, he talked to the Denton County Sheriff's officer, and that officer did not think that they could keep him, and he was allowed to leave the facility. Why? Why did Paul? Is is Paul just that desperate right now for his son's health? Is that do you think why he chose to speak on the record now? Right, and you know, Kevin mentioned you know that the the comments from Paul from that 2013 story. So people might think, oh, Paul's always talking about his son, but he really hasn't talked publicly since then. So I don't think Paul's first choice was to come to me, who I've known him for several years from covering Johnny at Texas A&M. And to go public with this, I think it was a little bit out of desperation. Because you, you've talked mm-hmm. to him. I know you've gone to him several times yeah. to ask him about things in which right. he's just declined to talk right. about Johnny. Right. So it's not like he's just, you know, eager to do that. But um, he he wants his son to get help. He's desperate? Is he's, he desperate? I think he's desperate. See, here, here's the thing that I, I, I got a, a guy that writes me. He's an Aggie, and he writes me all the time. And he, he and I wrote a, a quick take based on uh, the, the story that you got from Paul Manziel. And uh, and which to me, really, uh, it was such a, a desperate thing. It really struck me. You know, mm-hmm. whatever you think about Johnny Manziel and about how immature he is, or right. if you just want to say that it's that, oh, he just does the wrong thing. He's just a screw up. Uh, it, it struck me as far greater than that and deeper than that and, and, and really sobering. Uh, and, and it's like, you know, for all the fun we might want to have with, with Johnny's situation, to me, it's way past all that. Look, it went from it went from joke into a very serious situation when absolutely. the allegations of domestic violence yes, came absolutely. up. absolutely. And then it moved very quickly from serious into almost tragic mm-hmm. when a father's talking about fearing for his son's life. So that's the state we're in now. We've all had some punchline jokes about Johnny Manziel, but but right now it's a, a – I, I think, Kate, and, and you've got your, your finger more on the pulse than we do, uh, people around him are that concerned for him, are they not? They are. And I thought Kevin actually made a good point in that quick take you mentioned – and maybe it's a little confusing because people see, oh, he's out at the Mavericks game and he seems fine, seem, you know, seems like he's drinking water and being good. You don't know. You can't tell what's going on in a person's life from that little public snippet. You do not know. No, you, you don't. And, and we, we've seen this all the time. You know, one of the things that was even thought was that when his, when his girlfriend or former girlfriend uh, called the, told the cops, hey, he, he took off on his own. They're, they're worried about him for his life at this point. Enough that they dispatch a helicopter. Absolutely. And we see all the time in these stories, and they're terrible stories, uh, in suicide stories, where someone seems to be just fine, and the next thing you know, this happens. So here, here was the, thing, the point I was going to make, is that it seems to me the people who know him best are, A, his father, mm-hmm. his girlfriend, and his agent, right? The, the, the not all three of those people express grave concern about Johnny Manziel. Right, and his agent Eric Burkhart dropped him last week and issued also you know a statement that kind of coincided with what Paul Manziel said about Johnny. This is you know accountability is everything for a relationship, and it's up to Johnny to get the help he needs to get his life in order. Are other family members? Are Johnny's other family members equally as concerned? I have only talked to Paul, so I can only speak from that. But from from what I gather, 
yeah, I mean, this has been very hard on the whole family. Yeah, and, and I, I just for, I just want to read the Eric Burthardt statement because I thought that too was pretty right pretty profound. He said it is with deep regret that after several emotional and very personal discussions with his family, his doctors, and my client himself, I've made the decision to terminate my professional relationship with Johnny Manziel. I remain a friend and a Johnny supporter, and he knows I have worked tireless to arrange a number of professional options for him to continue to pursue, but it has become painfully obvious that his future rests solely in his own hands. His family and I have gone to great lengths to outline the steps we feel must he must take to get his life in order. Accountability is the foundation of any relationship, and without it, the function of my work is counterproductive. See, I, I think that we and, and that people would take this as, oh, look, they're just shoving it all off on somebody this else. This is a public intervention. Is it, absolutely, it's what it is. It's like this is the—we are— our, wits end here with this guy we've tried everything we know to do and now we're we're sending the message to everyone that this is what johnny has to do and he, here is a thing that drives me nuts again we, we social media has been a focus of stuff we've talked about today but posted your story as soon as it came out kate and immediately the the response was well dallas police said case closed you know it's not about that right it's not about that and and, and it's not about whether he should get a second chance at playing in the NFL right now. We're talking about a guy's life and all the tragic stories that we have seen take place with athletes. This is an opportunity right now that the people closest to him, and say what you want about the Manziel family, say what you want about about any of these people's motivations, they are acting in the way of constructing a public intervention to try and is, save this guy's life. Is, is there a person out there, it's not his dad, it's not his age, is there, do you think there's someone out there who could actually get him and drive him to rehab and check him in? That he or, would stay? That he would, that he would stay. Is there somebody in his life who could fulfill that role? I don't know who that person would be. What I know is has really been disturbing is I've been flooded with People, self-help people, or addiction experts, I cannot vouch for their qualifications. I mean, flooded with people saying they are the only people that can help Johnny Manziel. Can put me in touch with Paul Manziel and I will save Johnny. And they, they're even calling my mother in St. Louis trying to get in touch because wow. I'm not responding. I mean, it's weird. That's kind of creepy. Yes. Yeah. The, the and, and let me point out also here that Johnny did go to a, a, a rehab center last fall, last right. summer. Last off season. For how many days was that? 28 day was, program? Oh, no. I think was he was in there that. for at least two months, if not yeah. longer. I think it was. Two months. And, and so, so he has doctors and things from that stay. I mean, there has there have been people that have treated him before that are still in touch with the family and whatnot. And you talk to Josh Hamilton. That's the, that's the experience that I have. This is a guy who went through 12-step programs, who went through rehab facilities. One, two, three... And the problems, the problem continues to exist. It's a well, day-to-day battle, and it will mm-hmm. be a day-to-day battle. And Johnny, at the age of 23, you know, how many of us are equipped to actually handle the, the really substantive uh, aspects of that battle? See, and here's the thing, the difference between him and Josh, too, uh, I think. I don't know what problems he has uh, with substance abuse, if he has them. I don't, I don't know if he has alcohol problems. I don't know if he has drug problems. I don't know if any of that. But it's clear to me he has uh, anger management issues. You know, it, we, we know the stories about him playing golf with his dad. And his dad is a very good golfer, by the way, maybe a scratch golfer. And he can't beat him, and it just drives him crazy. You know, uh, and, and that's one thing to be having those temper tantrums when you're, you know, 13, 14, 15. But when you're, when you're an adult and you still feel, and, and from what I can tell, it's not like his father's aggravating him. It's not right. like the, his father's mean about it, you know. He just has such 
tremendous anger management issues. Right. What's inside of you that is, is stirring all that up always? And right. what, what demons are you battling? And, you know, that hasn't all been made, you know, really clear, but uh, you you act out in some ways that are not, you know, benefiting your life. Right. And, and okay, how let, do you get that under control? Let me ask you this, because as, as much as anybody got to know Johnny during his time at A&M among the media, you were there did you think that it would go bad for him in the NFL regardless of success or, or, or lack of? Did you think that a, a train wreck situation was, was foreseeable? I mean, I'm not shocked because of this. So 2012, the Heisman year, you know, people didn't even know exactly who Johnny Football was. That was, that was fun. That was exciting. a was in the SEC. Johnny was this great player that, you know, was so fun to watch. And we'd only been talking to him for a year. Yeah, well, he didn't talk to the media for the first time until, like, November of that season because of someone's Kevin Sumlin's rule that doesn't allow first-year players to talk. So it was a lot of fun. Oh, this Johnny football kid. And then it went really quickly because he just had this celebrity about him, and people were so fascinated about him and this JFF character outside of football. And it went really fast from the Heisman, from winning the Heisman to, you know, when he started showing. I remember when I first got my first TMZ alert with him partying at a club in Dallas. And it, it was like, here we go, TMZ's in. And from then it, then it started to, then you start to say, well, he's not just a 20-year-old kid having fun. Or is he? I mean, is it more serious? Because things keep happening. And then it got more of a distraction. And then there was the autograph scandal. And was he even going to be eligible to play in his 2013 and so, it's, you know, it just got really intense really fast. And so I can see, then you wondered, well, if he goes to, and he's going to be a professional, it could go one way where he grows up and this is his job and he's an adult and he's not necessarily in the, the fishbowl that he was in in College Station. Or does it become something like what's happened? Now, I, I didn't expect it to be to the point where Paul Manziel was worried about his son's life. Let me ask you this, because this I'll always go back to before we even knew who Johnny Football was. Uh, that first year when he was A&M, but people always forget he redshirted his first year at A&M. Right. So, Under Mike Sherman. That's right. How in the world did that happen? How in the world did he sit and not play football for a year? Well, that- how, and, and we're not talking about why didn't he play football. I think what you're saying is how did he handle not How did he handle it? Absolutely. Yeah. Because here's the thing. You know, yeah, he comes in. He was this little little guy. It's the guy who can't stand to lose to his dad on the golf course. Right. How can he stand to lose out on, on playing? Right. right. And he's talked about how that was really hard for him. And then, you know, Paul Manziel has said that the off season was always where they had some concerns. So then, he, you know, there's a whole year he's not playing. Yeah, he's playing scout team and, and what practicing and whatnot. And he that's, you know, the first really documented that we have issue with alcohol, he got in trouble and in a fight in the bar district in College Station. Um, and, you know, again, at the time, okay, kids do that kind of stuff. You, you wonder how seriously to take it. But now with everything that's happened, you kind of look back at that point and you at least have to include it in the history. And he got, um, I think he had some alcohol therapy dating back to that time as part of his punishment um, for the fight. And, you know, he almost got suspended for the whole following season the 2012 season he initially was he wasn't going to be allowed to play at texas a&m because of that incident um which i broke a couple years ago now 
But then on appeal, he was allowed to play. So you can go back to then to when, you know, there have been issues for a while. You know, there was always something with Johnny on the field. Uh, listen, I, I want to obviously say on the record, too, I have never seen a more exciting player on a football field than Johnny Menzel. Uh, I, I, you know, in the Cotton Bowl game against Oklahoma, I just never seen against a really good team a guy play that way. Just unbelievable to watch him play. Uh but we also saw many times the, the Johnny where a, a, a Rice player says something to him, and he gets into it with a Rice football player. You and know? that was the first game back from he – he missed the first half of that game for the autograph flap when the NCAA suspended him for – or Texas A&M suspended him for the first half of that game. It, it makes you wonder about, you know, you're a quarterback, you're a really good quarterback, you're a Heisman Trophy quarterback. How do you let these things get under your skin? But isn't that also what makes Johnny Johnny on the football field, that he plays with that chip on his shoulder and that fire? I mean, that's probably part of what makes him great. Here's the question I've got on, on that whole aspect is, you know, you see all those things, and we all wipe them off as, oh, he's just kind of a college kid. You, you know, you just said that, Kate. We've said it before. Did anybody try and really step in and, and I, for lack of a better term, parent or mentor this guy at that point in time about behavior? I know Kevin Sumlin said to him, uh, was, it the, was it the Rice game uh, that, that someone told him on the sideline? Uh, I'm trying to recall that we even had that quote. Some, uh, uh, someone did uh, uh, scold him a little bit, I think is the best way I, I can put it. You know, when he said something after the game. I think I that sounds that. right. I think that sounds right. But see, here's the thing with Johnny. I, I just don't know how far any of that goes. I, I think when you have his temper – you know, and and you have uh, whatever other issues he has. I think it just goes to a dark place with him, mm-hmm. and that he's. It's one of those things where when you talk about is there somebody who can reach him? Is there someone who could get him to go to do this? I don't think there's anybody. Uh, frankly, I, I think it's a question of whether he wants to do it, and that's what. That's well, what obviously, it, it's going to end when he wants to. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, now let's let's take this. Let's advance this forward here because I know this is what Cowboys fans are still talking about. Even all those people who don't care anything about what we just talked about and think it's all just bull. He's just a, a young kid blowing it all. Should the Cowboys things. sign him? Should the Cowboys sign? Him? Here's my my point has been all along that look. Uh, I don't know if Tony Romo is going to be healthy or not. I don't know if they're going to give him bionic collarbones and let him play for the next 10 years. I don't know what they're going to do. But to think that Johnny Manziel is going to sit, you know, placidly by as a backup quarterback and wait on his turn is just crazy to me. I just, I just don't see how anyone can think that will all play out well. Don't you think that if it's not the Cowboys, somebody in the NFL is going to want to try to take Johnny and they think that they can fix him. Yeah, there's always one. There's always somebody yeah, it only out there. Takes one team. Right one now, team. I think that that is the worst possible message that Johnny Manziel could potentially hear. Yeah, but he knows that he maybe he does. But for him to hear that, hey, somebody will take you, it makes him once again say, but, my problems aren't that bad. Okay, right. but here's the deal: if if all 32 teams, there are 32 teams, right, in the in the NFL, correct? If none of them wanted him, somebody in Canada would want him. He didn't want to go to Canada. Oh, but but let me tell you something. He wants to play and he wants to get paid. Oh, I, and 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 if he had no, if he, and and he would be a quote unquote freak show, uh, up there as as well. Well, so the, the, there'll, there'll be some. He can play football somewhere. Well, that, that, which is why in in the quick take we referenced earlier, I, I said that, that the NFL needs to move right now. That I, I realize this is not their protocol. I realize that they they investigate these things for months and they ponder and sit around and twiddle their thumbs. That they have to move right now, Johnny. Say you've been because of what the evidence that we have so far, you've been suspended 
for, you know, six games, eight games, ten games, whatever it is, you're automatically sent and you have to go to rehab. Well, it, it, it won't be because of anything but the domestic violence. That, that, that'll be, oh, absolutely. That's absolutely. the hot-button yes. topic. That's the hot-button to right. topic. And I think, I think it's possible that that could happen. And to me, that's the way you get him into rehab is you say, if you want to play in the NFL someday, this is what you have to do. And, and I, from, the NFL's, from the NFL's point of view, I think, you know, you have to give it, you have to give it due process. Um you can't just knee jerk and say. Well, the NFLPA won't allow. Right, won't, won't allow. I, I, but I, I do think, in the best interest of anybody, if the Dallas Police Department actually did close that investigation, we since have found out that that his former girlfriend Colleen Crowley went back, talked to the, and gave another statement. That investigation has been reopened. I think that if and when DPD does close that investigation. That's where the NFL investigation needs to start. It can't just be, okay, there's not enough here to convict him of a crime. There's got to be real— of course, According to the NFL, you don't have to be convicted of a crime. And that's my point. You're not even be that's, charged. That's my point. The NFL has to conduct a real-time investigation, real resources into this whole idea. It's not enough to just put that commercial on in the Super Bowl about domestic violence. Right. you got to act on it, and you gotta, you got to do some stuff— to actually try and, 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 and curb that. Well, because this is behavior. not the first time with Colleen Crowley. You know, we know that. that you know, we know there was, there was incident an incident on, on the highway on the, in Cleveland where she apparently intimated to the people they were investigating. It was not clear as to exactly who she was talking to, that he'd hit her several times while they were in the car and that she was trying to get out of the car while it was moving. It was moving. moving. You know. she, he was he was driving quite fast, I think, in that yes. situation. He was driving down the shoulder. That's what people were calling nine one one because he was driving on the shoulder. So it's, there's a pattern here, and of course, I, I just want to say this on the record as well: how anyone allows this to become a pattern. If, if you're the woman involved, I, I realize that, that we have a long history of this kind of thing in our in our, in our uh, society, unfortunately. But also as a as a father of two girls. The first time that I found out that this happened with my daughter would be the la- the last time it had happened. I, I Kevin, again, and, and you can't blame her though. I mean, oh, you're, I'm not you're blaming her. Right. I, I'm but, not blaming I mean, her. I'm just saying I wish she would. I wish she would stand up and say. I think it's a hard, it's terrible. It's tough. It, it's a hard thing to do, and and I, I you know. I don't, but I don't want that message sent either. I don't want the message sent that, well, I know it's hard for you to do this, so we, we sympathize with you. You know, the, the message needs to be out there is, is zero tolerance. One time and that's it. It's over. And that, that needs to be the message sent but out But you've, you've got to empower the victims enough for them to feel secure and for them. Again, I, 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 this is one tweet that I got. One tweet that I got from two tweets that I made about the Manziel stuff, and I can only imagine what Kate's timeline was filled with, but... When I mentioned that the investigation had been reopened, the first comment I got from somebody was, well, apparently she didn't get enough money. And so that's what the victims mm-hmm. face. Right. Oh, absolutely. That's what the victims I, I agree face. with that. Well, that's what, you know, when I was talking about this fellow writing me, he says, you know, women are known to lie about these things. You know, my response to him was because he had kind of alluded to something in his own past before. I said, if you've got issues of your own that you're, that you're talking about here, that's something you need to deal with. You know, and frankly, that's, that's the problem in our society. We haven't been tough enough about this kind of thing. We do tolerate it. We do say that, oh, women have been known to lie. Yeah, I'm sure there have been women who have lied. And how many times do, do we really think, though, that the women are lying, what, 10% of the time, 20%, 50%, 70%? You just, it's, it it it's does ridiculous. not matter. You take each investigation on its own merits and, and go from there. But this is, this is, the, this is the skewed world, and I, I hate that we've gotten into – um, both race and and domestic violence today, but this is the world of sports that we live in now, and y- y- you do just have to take these things on their own merits. 
and also understand that that what the that what the the victims and the alleged victims of these things face is they face incredible pushback from people who identify themselves as fans and 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 these are the people who were really really disturbed well, that's, that's why you can't pay too much attention to this stuff as we've said many times you know twitter is is a different animal but the, the comment section at the end of our stories, you know, I don't read them. I've never read one of them. Don't read them. I don't ever read the comments. That's, I don't want to know. That what was the best say. advice I ever got. Don't go into the comments. <laughs> don't go into the comments. <laughs> no, the comment, the comments are, a, uh, are are kind of a portal to another world of, that I don't ever want to be transported into. A below the surface, I've always felt underground. Like, I always felt like it was, you were standing on the stage and someone was th- allowed to throw pies at it's you. It's like being in a sewer. It's like that, that would be more fun, actually. <laughs> it's, I, I'm it's, I'm fine with that. You want to throw a pie at me? Just make it like an apple pie. That's all I ask. Have yeah. you made, Kate? Have you made any attempt to talk to Johnny in the last couple of days? I don't have any uh, current good numbers for him. I've been, you know, working a couple of different different ways to try to do that, but uh, have not had any success. No. Well, Kate, I can't imagine he's talking to anybody at this point. Yeah, I, I, I think the news. He that talked came to out TMZ Friday, apparently, right? Yeah, he, that was earlier in the week, and I think after our story came out, right. maybe he. Went a little underground, maybe not wanting to yeah, be. He hasn't. Little, t- he hasn't rebutted his father's comments. No, and you know, I'm not sure we won't see him out again. I mean, maybe in a couple of days we will see him out and about again. And well, I would like to point out about that. He'll you mentioned out. you mentioned that at the Mavericks game, people saw him and he was drinking water. And and I will go back to Josh Hamilton's most recent slip up that we're aware of in the Dallas Fort Worth area that happened at a Sherlock's, Sherlock's. when you know he had a Coke cup uh, and just and, and it was a plastic a uh, uh, paper Coke cup filled with vodka and everybody thought he was just drinking water and so you know if if you when you are an addict when you've got substance abuse problems uh, they will guys who are recovering substance abuse uh, uh sufferers will tell you that you will do whatever you have to do to work around the circumstances to make it seem like okay just put some vodka in there and everybody will think it's water uh so forth and so on so what people see, like you said, Kate, at a Mavericks game for 10 minutes, just like what people saw of Cam Newton at a press conference for five minutes, isn't necessarily the full snapshot of who a person is or what a person's going through. You so, know, Evan always has to bring it back to Cam Newton in his defense of Cam. He's dabbing now. Is that a dab? You see how I brought everything back from the first pod today to the, to the last? That's what we call completing the circle, Barry. I'm in awe. I'm, Kate, I'm, sitting, you, I'm sitting here in awe. I'm sitting Kate, here in awe of you. Before we let you go, I, I need your opinion. Yes, what was sir. your thought on the halftime show? Oh, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. No, I didn't. I thought it lacked some cohesion, though. I mean, it went from the flower power and all that stuff and Coldplay, and then it was pretty intense. And but I enjoyed it. I mean, I love Beyonce. Let me ask you this. So oh, did, did you think you, it was live? Did you, did you think it was live? Uh, I think there was a lot of lip syncing going on. With maybe a, it was. I think it was blended. I think but, maybe they had a little bit of... No, the dancing but, 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 was live, Kevin. That all was quality, live. Was uh, the no quality of the scene. film, all of a sudden it did not look like it was live camera work is what we're it saying. Looked oh. on, on it, it, it looked different on your set, the film. It had, it had a little more of a filmy look to it. My my, my wife is the first one to Kevin, I believe that she is said, your detached retina. No, that was not. <laughs> Debbie brought it up. I'm going to tell Debbie that you said... Oh, the lovely Debbie. The lovely Debbie. The lovely Debbie said, hey, this doesn't look like it's alive all of a sudden. And I think that it looked like they had populated the stands with digital characters. So I'm saying it was all it was all done last week. And next week on Conspiracy <laughs> Theories with Kevin Sherrington, we'll get into Roswell, New Mexico. 
Uh, but for today, Kate, that has been a fabulous update. Thank you for that great work on the on the Paul Manziel interview. Thank you. Um, thanks for for bringing people up to date. Thanks for coming uh, in. Thanks for coming in and being our second live in studio guest. Because uh, uh, usually they're, they're dead. We usually have dead dead guests. studio guests. Yeah. So I guess I'm better they're, they're, than they're, that. They're, yeah. There have been a lot of corpses sitting in that seat. <laughs> That's right. I will wrap this up. The, the, previously on on Ballsy uh, today, Kevin and I discussed the Super Bowl. <laughs> Barry butted in on occasion. <laughs> and then we had an interview with Thad Levine, Rangers assistant general manager, about arbitration, uh, spring training pitching, and a lot of issues surrounding the club. So please be sure to check all that out. And you can tweet us at Ballsy Podcast, B-A-L-L-Z-Y Podcast on Twitter. Thanks again, everybody. Bye.